0: Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Casual Criminalist. I, as always, am your host. What I am here is Callum has put me together a script. I'm looking at it right now. It's Magdalena Solis, the High Priestess of Blood. Oh my god. That sounds like it's going to get intense. I'm going to read it and then afterwards Jen, our wonderful video editor, is going to add in some music if you're listening to this and then also some images if you're watching it. If you're listening to this podcast, you be like, oh, this would be perfect with some imagery. Well, guess what? This show's on YouTube. If you're on YouTube thinking, oh boy, I wish I could easily listen to this in the car. Well, guess what? You don't need that YouTube premium. You could just listen to our podcast version. Yes, it's something for everybody, isn't it? So let's just jump in. Act one descended from the heavens picture the scene it's 1963 you're an impoverished farmer from yer babuena a tiny isolated farming village at the feet of Mexico's Sierra Madre Mountains entering a mountainside cave in the dead of night I'd never be doing that just stay out of caves at night just I mean there's bears you, you can have a bad time by the firelight from the torches inside you can make out the exhausted faces of almost everyone you've ever known gathered together sounds unrealistic there are 20 other families from the community all gathered here to witness the fulfillment of a spectacular promise a magical goddess is about to arrive and bless you all with riches i heard that you should never start a fire inside a cave like if you're you know getting a tom hanks on And you're stuck on some island somewhere and you find a cave to live in because you're like, fantastic. And then you're like, how can I make this cave warm? Start a fire. Apparently you're not supposed to do that. Don't know if this is for sure, but because it can like crack the rock or whatever and cause like a a cave in. See what I did there? Houston, we have a problem. For months, the entire village has been praying to this pagan idol. On the instructions of her two high priests, the Hernandez brothers, everyone donated a huge percentage of their meager earnings and possessions, fattened the two prophets up on as much food as they could spare, and engaged in bizarre ritual orgies at their commands. All of this to win the favor of the powerful and exiled Inca gods. Ah, yes. Religious fanatic. I love how this is just a story as old as time. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I speak with God, so give me money. It's like, it's, um, what, the televangelists are basically this, the, the modern version of this, aren't they? Although this was in 1963, which is, you know, the history of religion. Fairly modern. For centuries, there were rumors of gold buried in the Sierra Madre Mountains, hidden in one of the hundreds of caves around the area. The Hernandez brothers promised that their old gods would lead the villagers to one of these millionaire-making caches. But when the months wore on with no results, a group of farmers confronted the brothers with an ultimatum, show them some results soon or the party was over. So the prophets promised to have a chat with the Inca gods. To see what they could rustle up. That's why everyone was gathered in this muggy cave late at night. The brothers are back and they claim that the mother goddess Kowitka someone won't be far behind. All the people had to do was complete. The summoning ritual. Watching the brothers drain the blood from a goat for the upteenth time, the people were probably still more than a little skeptical. It all just seems like more of the same empty promises. But everyone else is just desperate for a miracle. These guys already have all of their stuff and most of their dignity, so they were really holding out for some positive returns. So, like, yeah, look, I mean, any situation where someone's like, yeah, 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 I have this ac- access to like unlimited wealth and gold or stock market tips in the modern world all you have to do is give me some money and i'll give you access to this unlimited magical gold supply or stock market tips or crypto or whatever it is just think about it just think about it just think. if they had this magical knowledge about where the gold is well why would they need money from you it's always a scam don't do it. Once the goat is dead and the chanting is over, a new prophet approaches the altar. He's introduced as the high priest of Kotilku, and in a booming voice, he congratulates the villagers. The ritual worked, and the goddess's arrival is imminent. He chants some spells in a strange language, and everyone jumps back in shock as a flash of light bursts out from the back of the cave, leaving a thick cloud of smoke behind. The smoke dissipates, along with the last of their skepticism, because there she is—the goddess, all, doll- all dolled all up in a necklace of bones, Aztec-style garb, and an elaborate ceremonial headdress. What? If I was these guys, I'd be like, yo, yo, yo. I'm not- I don't care about this. I don't care about this. Where's my GOLD?! Everyone drops their knees in unison to worship the living goddess before them, begging for her salvation. But while their foreheads are pressed against the cold rock of the cave floor, they miss something. A wry smile passes over the faces of the Hernandez bros. Everything went perfectly according to plan. And it's not the fact that the goddess shows up and leads them to the gold. That's not it. They're gonna murder everyone somehow, aren't they? The Fact Behind the Fiction now, I doubt we have any ancient Incan god worshippers listening, so I can probably safely say this without offending anyone. They're not real. <laughs> uh, yeah, none of this is real. And I know I'm going to offend some people saying that, but it, it it's not. It's not. And keen listeners might have already noticed that, even if they were, they probably wouldn't be hanging out in Mexico. The Incans come from Peru. It's the Aztecs the Hernandez brothers were thinking of, and who Kotaku belonged to. And by the way, I have no idea if that is how you pronounce Kotaku. It's very strangely spelled, and I didn't look it up. That, because I'm a lazy podcast host. (laughs) That should hardly be a surprise, though, because it's pretty obvious that nothing about the Hernandez sex cult was authentic what a surprise. An inauthentic sex cult. Santos and Cayetano rocked up to yerba buena in late 1962, and after realizing how financially desperate the poorly educated villagers were, they sensed an opportunity. I'll just mention here that Jen, who I mentioned to edits this podcast. She's always like, Simon, my favorite episode. She, she, she speaks Spanish. So she's always like, Simon, the Spanish one's my favorites. You struggling with the Spanish pronunciation. I'm, like, I'm sorry, Jen. I could make more of an effort, I know. (laughs) Uh, And after realizing how financially desperate the poorly educated villagers were, they sensed an opportunity. Ah, look, poor uneducated people. The perfect opportunity to exploit. Up until now, the two con men had made a meager living from hopping from town to town, pulling off a string of minor scams, but now their appetites for deception were growing with no school, police station or church in town. Yeah, but when I gave them a free license to pull off their most ambitious con yet. On the morning of their arrival, Santos and Cayetano gathered the residents in the middle of the ramshackle village and proclaimed themselves to be prophets of the old gods. <laughs> Simple as that, apparently. Who would soon return to punish the heretics. True believers, however, would be rewarded for their devotion with incredible wealth. Given the myths of ancient treasure hidden in the mountains, this played into the villagers' fondness for folklore. The brothers then used a bunch of cheap sleight-of-hand tricks to convince the people that they possess supernatural powers. Us enlightened modern minds might feel like turning our noses up at these rural farmers for falling for it so easily. But just look at how many everyday people are drawn in by Nigerian print scams and cryptocurrency scams every single year. The common denominator is desperation. Yeah, it totally is. And it's sad. And all these people for tricking in people who are… Either not bright, it's not, it's not even about not being bright enough. It's just not being like educated in the ways, not even, it's just not being educated in the ways of scams. It kind of sucks. And by kind of sucks, I mean it totally sucks. And how about people just be be less pieces of s? But then I'm sure like the Nigerian prince guys are also pretty desperate for money. So it's all, it's all a bit sad, really, isn't it? Seeing this as their only chance to escape extreme poverty, yes. The 50 or so villages that called Yerbuena home donated what they had to the cause. This admittedly wasn't very much, as their main source of income was selling whatever small amounts of corn and beans were left over from their harvests. Underwhelmed with the material gains, the brothers soon demanded that the women and young girls of the village act as their sexual slaves. When they got bored of that, they included the men as well. One source even claims that the Hernandez brothers sold teenage girls to human traffickers from the border towns after abusing them. Such was their power over the village that the people continued to comply. Desperation does incredible things. Every few days, the community would gather in the caves filled with cannabis smoke and ritual incense for the aforementioned animal sacrifices and orgies. God knows how they manage to stay in the mood. I always find it a major turn-off when a woman kicks a romantic evening off by slitting the throat of a goat. That's weird, Callum. I mean, I'm totally into that. I'm really into animal sacrifices in the bedroom. (laughs) Ah, that's weird. That was sarcasm. No, people are going to be like, writing it, Simon, don't kink shame. Some people are just into animal sacrifices. Uh, It's a a fetish. I'm like, that it is. That it is. That it is. (laughs) And after suffering three months of these perverse rituals, those stingy Incan gods hadn't even given up a single piece of gold. The villagers were understandably feeling a bit shortchanged, so that's when the brothers promised to bring their complaints to upper management lesser con men would have just cut their losses and run but santos and Cayetano were committed to the grift they promised the people a goddess and they were damn well going to deliver one they traveled to the town of monterey base camp of their sex trafficker associates to find a suitable accomplice there they met a pimp named elezor solis who knew a woman perfect for the role his sister magdalena solis the 18 year old had been working under her brother as a prostitute since the age of 12. Just thought we had to revisit that one. Just out of the uh, disgusting absurdity of it Uh, she was forced into the job out of poverty not much is known about her backstory but safe to say that it must be pretty darn tragic what we do know is that magdalena also was also no stranger to a good supernatural scam she supplemented her income by working as a medium and fortune teller her speciality was channeling the spirits of dead brujar witches after years spent pretending to summon satanic spirits playing a literal goddess reborn which only take just a little bit of adjustment so she and her brother rode back to yerba buena with the hamanda hanandez bros ready to take their con to the next level the night of her big debut in the cave it was the pimp elazor who playing the high priest and the magical puff of smoke just a bit of flash powder ignited by the con men they had all the production value of a zero-budget B-movie, but it was more than enough to keep the hopes of the villagers alive. However, there was one thing that the con men hadn't planned for. Getting into character was easy for Magdalena, it was getting out that was the problem. As she stepped through the smoke and assumed the role of the goddess that night, she started down a slippery slope of religious psychosis. High up on her first ever taste of power and an endless supply of peyote and weed, she started believing that she actually was the Incan mother goddess after all. Holy Well, yeah, your life's been pretty damn tragic. Be like, yeah, no, I'm just going to escape into fantasy right now. Honestly, don't blame you at all. Th- yeah. That might not have been a problem, but as you know, as their gods aren't exactly the love and forgiveness type. Oh, God, is she just going to start sacrificing children? What was this episode called again? The High Priestess of Blood? Oh, dear. Hard to be a god. Perhaps by drawing on her own deep well of trauma, Magdalena soon injected the rituals of the Hernández cult with her own brand of perversion. Not content to have an entire village as her sexual slaves, the drugged up goddess, upped the ante to include bloodletting. In Aztec mythology, human blood is supposed to sustain the gods' immortality and prevent the end of days. So, at her command, the cultists started slurping down blood like a bunch of degenerate Catholics on a Sunday. Magdalena would cut their skin, drain the blood into a ritual chalice, mix it with peyote, and pass it around, with everyone whipped into a mad religious fervor. And by mad religious fervor, we mean crazy peyote trip. Magdalena then commanded them to engage in incest, bestiality, and even pedophilia for her amusement. I could double down on that Catholic joke here, but it might be a bit much. Nah, it's good, Callum. You good? You good on that one? In in my opinion. By now, the goddess herself was the one in control. Even if Hermanda's brothers wanted to stop her, they were powerless to. In the eyes of the villagers, she was their master. So things only got darker from there. Dude. Darker? Than darker? Where are we going? A few weeks into her terrible reign, a couple of villagers started voicing concerns about how their quaint little village had become a vision of hell. Plus, there was still no bloody gold. The goddess dubbed these two concerned citizens heretics and ordered the rest of the villagers to lynch them. Terrified of what horrible curse she might dole out, they obeyed and beat two of their own to death right in front of her. Pandora's box was now well and truly open. Over the following weeks, the Hernandez brothers officially integrated these lynchins into the rituals themselves. If the faith of any of the villagers wavered, Magdalena would have them beaten and carried to the caves. There, each villager took a turn cutting, beating, burning, and dismembering these human sacrifices to please the goddess. Oh God, this is going way too far. What happens? We went from, like, a con and, like, a weird sex cult to, like, straight-up crazy murders. It's got all Jim Jones real suddenly. The ceremonies ended with her drinking a cocktail of the victim's blood mixed with chicken blood and psychedelics. After drinking her fill, she passed the chalice onto her priests, so then the villagers themselves. Every man, woman, and child drank their share of the blood, believing it would grant them magical powers. And honestly, after consuming that much peyote, they probably were like, yeah, definitely believing it. I'd understand why they'd be- I'd probably believe it after that much peyote. Soon, not even that was enough for Coatecu Solace. After sacrificing several followers, the ancient Aztec goddess started to implement the most gruesome aspect of Aztec rituals. With her victim pinned to the altar, she used a ceremonial dagger to cut their beating heart out of their bodies while they were still alive. Oh, good lord. Sebastian Guerrero and the Temple of Doom. If I've got the timeline right, it took Magdalena Solis less than two months to raise the stakes from ritual orgies to amateur open-heart surgery. At this impressive rate, the whole village would soon have been sliced to pieces at her command, but luckily Magdalena was about to get a major reality check from the law. I'm glad the police seem to actually exist in, in in some capacity, because holy shit, where have you been? It all started with a chance encounter... <laughs> That's how, that's how the police found out about this. One evening in May 1963, a 14-year-old boy named Sebastian Guiero was out wandering alone. When he approached the outskirts of Yerba Buena, he spotted something odd up the mountainside, flickering lights coming out of a cave. As he walked up to investigate, he heard sounds coming from the mouth, part human, part like the howling of wild animals, and it smelled like there was ritual incense in the air. He crept up to the opening and crouched behind a rock. By the firelight, he saw one of Kotaku's late stage rituals in full swing. Her highness herself stood at the altar with a human heart in hand. Oh my god, if I was a kid and I saw that, I'd just be like, I did I accidentally eat some peyote? Have I been hitting the ayahuasca again? Her dismembered victim lay lifeless on the stone slab, where some villagers sliced into it with their machetes and drained the blood into chalices. The rest of them were busy running away in a massive orgy on the cave floor. If it weren't for the whole murder thing, the teenager might have stopped to watch for a while, but Giero did the smart thing and ran down the mountain as fast as he could. he would be like, let's get the f- out of here. He never stopped or slowed down until he reached the town of Villa Gran, a full 15 miles away. God damn, man, that's a good run. There he found the police station and tried to explain to the cops what he had seen a cave full of maniacs drinking blood like vampires. So, nobody believed him at first because it sounded like something a bored teenager would make up as a prank. But the kid was insistent and visibly shaken, so the police offered to send officer Luis Martinez back up with him to investigate, dude, can you at least send more than one cop? Don't they always work in pairs? One cop should never be going anywhere, especially if it's to a weird cutting-out-the-heart orgy in a cave miles away from anywhere in the mountains. I don't know if this is going to go wrong, but if it does, what the f- as the days were on with no news from either of them, oh brilliant. The officers started to think the young boy's mad rablings might have been true. The End Times. The cops in Villagran contacted their superiors in the state capital of COAD Victoria. They launched a preliminary investigation into the disappearance and started to hear some worrying rumors about what went on in the cabin surrounding Yerba Buena. Now they began discussing the serious possibility of a devil worshiping cult in the mountains the cops enlisted the help of soldiers based in the state capital to march on this satanic little enclave so towards the end of the month a large force of police and army drove to yerba Buena to find the two missing men la policia stormed through the town and kicked down the door of every farmhouse where magdalena Solis and her brother were holed up Inside, the two of them lay stoned out of their nuts on cannabis and peyote, making the arrest a fairly laid-back affair, probably for everyone involved. Ah, you finally caught me. I'm sure everything will be fine. It's like, yo, Solace, you've been cutting the hearts out of people. It ain't gonna be fine. We got the death penalty in Mexico. Do they? I assume yes, especially back in the day. Someone's getting killed. Santos Hernandez put up more of a fight. He ran out of a back door and tried to make a break for the mountains. Firing back at the officers as he went, the cops shot him dead. Yeah, mate, that was an error. They, especially if you're like super high on peyote, how, you know, you're not gonna be a brilliant shot, are you? This sent villagers into a panic. They probably assumed their all powerful goddess could transform the invaders into snakes or something, but there she was getting dragged out of a house in handcuffs. So those who could turned and ran for the mountains, seeking refuge in the sacred caves. The army ran up the slopes after them, but were met with gunfire when they approached the barricaded entrance to the main shrine. A shootout ensued, but the villagers were hopelessly outgunned. Dozens died. Those that didn't were forced to walk out with their hands up in surrender, and so the entire surviving population of Yerba Buena were loaded into army trucks and carted off to jail. When the dust settled, the cops started searching for their missing man and the teenage witness, but it was too late to save them. Ah, goddammit. They found Martinez and Guerrero in a room at the Solis farmhouse, dead and dismembered. The goddess and her priests had cut the policeman's heart out of his chest. Near the cave itself were the bodies of six more victims, two lynched men and four more sacrificed over the last two months. They also found the other Hernandez brother, Cayetano. At first the officers thought he had been killed in the crossfire during the skirmish but it turned out that he too was murdered by his own followers back when the cop and witness were killed the villagers probably knew that trouble would follow tensions must have been running higher than ever and it seems like the high priests must have lost some control in the panic at some point one of the cultists grew wise to the scam and demanded a priestly title for himself Cayetana hernandez refused to oblige and was promptly shot dead with the two con men dead their goddess and high priest in chains and Their followers either shot down or arrested. The story of the short-lived but terrible Hernández cult was at an end. Aftermath Although really, it should have been called the Solace Cult, while the two brothers might have founded it. It was Magdalena who really made the case a dark one for the history books. For their part in the whole thing, she and her brother Elazar were sentenced to 50 years behind bars on two counts of homicide. Wow, I'm really surprised you killed a cop and a kid and you get 50 years behind bars that seems quite generous what if she was 30 no she was she was 18 she was 18 right so she'll be out when she's 68 i mean assuming she she lives someone i don't think i don't know i always feel like the 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 debate about prison and like rehabilitation and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, but and also she had a terrible child bringing, so oh, I don't know. I don't no comment, no comment, no comment. It just I thought she'd get a death penalty or something. These were the deaths of Officer Guerrero and the young boy Martinez. As for the other bodies, prosecutors couldn't prove that the diabolical duo were directly to blame for their deaths. That's because not a single one of the cultists were willing to testify against their goddess. No Judas is here. Really? They still were like, I guess, you know, you wanna believe. Crazy. I mean, if you genuinely believed she was an ancient, powerful deity, then you probably wouldn't snitch either. But why stick by her even once it was proven that she had no magical powers? My guess is that once half of your family and mates are dead, the sunk cost fallacy kicks in pretty hard. Better just stay the course and hope the Aztec gods break you out of jail than admit that you have swindled into becoming an incestuous murder vampire. Yeah, I mean, your brain is just protecting you at that point. You're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely all real. It was definitely all real, right? It was 100% real. As a result, every one of the cultists shared in the blame for the crimes. The fact that they were a largely illiterate, isolated community preyed on by a manipulative con man was a mitigating factor, but it's not quite a get-out-of-jail-free card. Each of them was sentenced to 30 years for group or gang murder or lynching. That sucks. I mean, they murdered people, but they were like crazy manipulated and taken advantage of into this stuff. I don't know how I feel about that. It doesn't feel proportional to the 50 years that the leader got, that's for sure. It would be years before any of them would speak openly about their experiences in the cult. Their belated and potentially untrustworthy testimony is why some sources speculate that despite the fact that only eight bodies were found, the actual number of murders might be as high as double that. Perhaps some unlucky travelers stumbled across the village in those dark months and weren't able to escape. We'll never know for sure. To wrap things up, I'd like to point out one of the maddest things about this case is that it sounds like something from hundreds of years ago, but this happened in the middle of the 20th century. I guess it's always true, and it always will be. Wherever there's desperation, there's always people willing to prey on the desperate with fantasies of massive wealth. On a completely unrelated note, let me remind you that all the Aztec gold is still up in those mountains. It just happens that I possess the only map in existence inherited from my uncle, the Crown Prince of Ghana. If you just send me, like, two or three Bitcoin, I'll fax it over ASAP. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing from you. I mean, it's sad. People do fall for this. I'm mean, they Because scams are, like, clever. they they worked it out. And there's so many people. And they just blast it out to so many people. Dismembered Appendix. Number one of... One, <laughs> If you look at the legends behind the Aztec Gods, Magdalena's Coatlicue impression was actually pretty pitch-perfect. In their creation myth, the Mother Goddess gives birth to 400 gods and goddesses who turn on her while she's pregnant with the 401st child. They behead Coatlicue, whose blood spurts out as two snakes. Then she posthumously gives birth to, good lord, the god of war with a long and impronounce, unpronounceable name. The fully grown newborn comes out armed, slays dozens of his siblings, and tosses one of their heads in the sky which becomes the moon, which is surely the most metal thing in history. Yes, indeed. And this has been an episode of The Casual Criminalist. I do hope you enjoyed it. I mean, I always, I, I, often just go to that default saying that it's fairly horrific, isn't it? If you are enjoying this podcast in general, please do consider leaving it a review. Five stars is always preferred, but you don't have to do that. Give it what you think it deserves. If you're like, nah, this is like a two-star podcast, then... Uh, <laughs> give me two stars I guess but you listened to the end didn't you you liked it enough I think that should be at least at least four (laughs) Uh, also if you're watching on YouTube please do leave us a comment below smash the like button make sure you're subscribed all of that other fantastic stuff and thank you for watching or listening